couple of folks that I want us to remember in our prayers, and these are these are folks that are not in the bulletin. Um, Jake Guthrie is a friend of ours. He's a young man. It's like uh, Cole. Okay, Cole. Cole Guthrie. You know how old Cole is? 30s. Has COVID, and he's on oxygen right now in the hospital. Um, please remember Cole in your prayers. Lives in Nashville. Um, Wayne Baldwin's is a friend of ours and he has a COVID and he's on a respirator now. Um, they have, is he in Morgantown? Have him at Morgantown, which is like the most advanced medical center they have up there in West Virginia. So he's very, very sick. Elaine's here tonight. She has had it, but she's back. I said, how you feeling? Not good. You know, if you, I, I know, I know when I say it, how it is, just testing her, you know, but she's not feeling too well, but we're glad that she's able to be back. Maybe some others uh, have been experiencing that, and you may have people in your family that are also dealing with that. It's still very active in our area, not just here, all over, all over the place. Okay, so uh, JT and I have been studying with a lady over several months. And yesterday, she was baptized into Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, her name is Mary White. Now, her intention was to be here tonight and then here on Sunday. She is experiencing some health problems. It's related to a surgery that she had, which kind of interrupted our studies for a little while. She had to have, you know that disc repair that they do in your neck? When they do it, they go from the front to get to the disc. And so it affected her vocal cords. And she's developed some nodules and polyps on her vocal cords that are going to have to be removed. So she's having surgery on Monday. And we would very much appreciate you remembering her in your prayers, too. Okay, these are new. There are a whole bunch of other people that we ought to be praying for remembering in our congregation. I encourage you to get one of the bulletins. We keep that as up-to-date as we can as the information comes in. And I don't know, seems like sometimes we're the last ones to know. Sometimes we just find out because somebody posts something on Facebook. But however we get it, we want to share that because I don't know about you, I sure do believe in the power of prayer. And Oh, really? Okay. Joyce Morris also has COVID and just a lot. Yes, Kim. Jamie is? Jamie's having surgery. Okay. Well, on Monday, you give a thumbs up because, woo, so excited. <laughs> but whatever it's for, we're sure hopeful that a uh, shoulder surgery. Okay. Well, we definitely pray that's going to be a success. All right, we'll pray for them too. Okay, we're going to sing a song, then we'll have a prayer, and then we'll begin our study together. Two hundred twenty-two. Two two two. Isn't there something about that name, Jesus? Nod your head this way. Jesus, 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 there's something. 
season to season in such a dramatic and obvious way. To wake up today to a new season, the temperatures having fallen, we're just in awe of your system of things. And Father, we're thankful that we can live in the time in which we live to be together, all of us as friends and family and to experience all these things together. And while there's much to think of that's favorable, there are certainly things that are frustrating in our time, especially the rampant illness that exists and how that affects us in so many places and so many ways. It affects our, our daily existence, just the the setbacks that happen in our workplaces, maybe not enough people, or the way it affects our economy and the cost of things. But Lord, despite all that, we don't put our trust in those temporary fluctuating things. We put our trust in you. And so despite what our inconveniences, we just we give you glory and honor and praise. And Lord, when these difficult things strike the lives of folks unexpectedly, we, of course, because we love them, we grieve with them and we feel the, the burden that they bear. And so we pray for these that we've been talking about, for Cole Guthrie, who is very sick, even though he's young and strong, we Pray, Lord, that you'll strengthen him and help him in his recovery and bless his young family. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with Wayne Balwins, who is really experiencing severe complications. We do pray, Lord, that despite the odds, he'll be able to overcome this, get off this respirator, and also uh, get back to be with his family. Lord, we pray for Jamie as he's facing some surgery. We pray that it's a great success, that it brings him the results he's hoping for, and that his therapy will go well and he'll have full use of his shoulder again. We pray your blessings on the Walker family as so many in that family experienced injury from the wreck and even, even so bad that uh, the young son perished in that. And we just pray that the mother and the, the young daughter, although their injuries are very serious, that they can receive the care they need to recover. We pray, Father, for Mary White, who put Christ on in baptism yesterday. We pray for her walk with you. And uh, we know that's going to be a difficult thing for her, but I, I pray that as a family we can encourage her and support her and just wrap her up in our love so that uh, the things she might face down the road that they'll seem as nothing and that she will see the tremendous value of being in the family of God. Lord, I pray you'll bless us as we've assembled for the purpose of studying your word together and I pray it'll be effective in 
helping us to understand better the importance of having a life that's growing in the grace of giving. Help us to be faithful stewards of the things you've put into our care and our possession. Help us to assert our love for you and for others by being a very giving people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, last time, we started this lesson, and my intention is to finish it up tonight. We started at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and our core set of verses are the first five verses of that text. Now, Jeremy, I do not see here tonight. Is he not here? Bless his heart. Wore him out last week. So... I'm going to need another reader who will be responsible for that text. Rick, will you do that? You're kind of in the middle of that big booming voice right there, and you can just, woo! Okay, so will, will you remind us, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that you given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe days of affliction, their abundance of joy, their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they can say gave according to their means, and I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves firm for the Lord, and then, then by the will of God, all right, thank you very much. Now, I'll be coming back to you, so you are our designated text reader for tonight. There'll be a, don't worry, folks. There'll be other texts to look at, but he's going to be our go-to for 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Okay, so what, what we're seeing here in this text, and what I'm trying to stress, is actually something that is... is Stated right there in verse 7. And that is that the giving that is described as being done by the Macedonians that was being encouraged for the Corinthians to pick up and emulate to satisfy by their giving as they had committed a year before. The whole purpose of what's going on here is stressed right there in verse 7. And that is that giving was considered to be a grace in which those Christians were to be growing. So it wasn't just a matter of, I'm going to pitch in and help. It was something that would continually grow and expand as each individual Christian was growing in their relationship with the Lord. It was a grace or a gift, and that makes sense because we're stewards of God. So what we have... We actually have as really a means of conduit, not a storage container. We're not just receiving it and holding it, on, holding on to it. But we see ourselves as a conduit through which God blesses us, then we're going to see a need and bless others. Now, there is um, an indication in these verses of the kinds of things that we can look for in our lives to be assured that we're actually growing in the grace of giving. And I gave you those three. They were joy, willingness, and then desire. Now, last week we looked at the idea of joy, the idea of joy in giving. Okay, Rick, would you read verse 2 again for us? For in the severe days of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme harvest have overflowed in the wealth. Okay, so what I, what I saw in this text was kind of, kind of a formula. He said, and it's shocking, I know, but he said that an abundance of joy, when it is coupled with deep poverty, results in an abounding liberality. Now that's shocking because you think in your mind, now liberality 
that means there's an abundance of it. So we, if we're materialistic thinking, we think, well, that just means a, a lot of something. Maybe if we talk about money, we say, well, now, okay, so he must be talking about a lot of money. So, Ken, this doesn't make sense. If I have an abundant joy and a couple that with deep poverty, how does that result in a bunch of money? That is not what he's saying. What he's saying is that I will be able to have this abounding liberality. That is, I will have a heart that is full of a desire to give and to give and to give, even if I am poor, even if I am in the depth of poverty, and I will be able to do it with a very joyful spirit. I can do that because I'm not trusting in myself for the outcome. I am acting in the belief that God is going to provide. After all, I'm just a steward who is given the responsibility, the opportunity to serve God through the blessings that come into my hands. And a case in point, and we'll not look at these texts again, we'll just quickly go through it because this is to review what you already know. Uh, a case in point was what happened as described in the book of Exodus. We looked at chapter 35 and verse 5 first, and that's the text where Moses has gone to the people and he has asked for materials in order to build those things that would produce the tabernacle. But he says, now, there is a caveat here. I'm asking for those people who are willing to give, to give willingly. You give out of your heart, okay? Skip to the next chapter, chapter 36. And what we find there in verses 6 and 7 is that not only did they get what they needed, but anybody remember what the shocking event was? He, they, they not only satisfied what was needed, but they gave way more than was needed. And Moses had to go and say, please stop giving. And you remember, we had that moment together. Oh, I remember it just like it was last week. We asked Buster, have you ever had to go to the congregation and say, please stop, we got way too much. And he said, and sadly so, no, can't recall we ever did that. Well, it's been done though, hasn't it? There was a need that existed, went to the people. Not only did they satisfy the need, but they gave too much. That's the attitude that we're talking about. Joyful giving willing giving. I'm not giving because I feel like I have to. I'm giving because I want to. And then I tried to stress this point, that you and I should never rob ourselves of the joy of giving. There is great joy and satisfaction in offering to help someone who's in need or to see to it that a need that exists, that that need is satisfied. Now, Jesus is actually recorded as saying something during his ministry that's not actually literally quoted in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's actually quoted by Paul himself in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Jesus said something about this matter of giving that really kind of goes against what most people think when it comes to giving. You remember what that was? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And I, I owned up to it. I said, you know what, it, it feels pretty good to get something. And I used an example of something that had happened to me that very day. Someone had given something and blessed my life and I was so thankful for that. It feels good to receive, but he says it is more blessed to give than actually it is to receive. Because in the giving, we have actually entered into a contract with God. I understand, yes, that there is the joy of having done something good. And then there is the benefit of seeing someone's life that you have blessed, of how all that unfolds and how they might use the gift that you give. But there is also that promise that the Lord has given to those who have this joyful attitude, this willingness to give. And the idea is that you will never, ever, as a faithful steward of God... You will never, ever outgive God. And the text that I used 
was Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. And before we ever looked it up, Luther quoted it for us. And the reason why is because that is such a lovely, beautiful text of Scripture. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be put into your bosom. Because with what measure you use, what? It'll be measured back to you. You absolutely will never, ever, ever outgive God. Now, with that attitude that we have in serving the Lord, we are able to ascertain whether or not we are growing in the grace of giving. If we're not growing in the grace of giving, then that means we give, but we don't find any joy in that. Maybe we feel like we have to give or that we're under some obligation, pressed into doing it. Boy, I don't want to, but I will. That will force us maybe just to, oh, we'll grab our wallet, look, see what's left over there, and we'll toss it in the collection plate. That is not what God is looking for. God is looking for that same heart that was demonstrated in Exodus chapter 36, verses 6 and 7. Such a willingness to give that we give way beyond what even seems to be our ability to give. So the, second, well, so the second thing that we were going to talk about, another indicator of whether or not the grace of giving is growing in us, is a willingness to give. Okay, Rick, would you read verse 3 for us again? For to their power are great, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Okay. Now I love that. My translation says that he bears witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Now, look at that for a second. I'm not just willing to give according to what I have, what I think I have. He says that they were willing to give beyond what they considered to be their ability. Now, you say... Ken, I don't see any figures here in this text. No, you don't. He doesn't tell you how much the figure was. He's simply describing the attitude that they had, the willingness to give. There might be, have been a certain level of giving in their life that they would have felt comfortable with. But they did not let that be their limit. What they said was, I know that there's a need that exists. I'm not just going to give what I believe is an abundant gift, I'm going to give beyond what I think I can give. I am going to give and give because, first of all, again, I'm a steward of the Lord. And I know that I will never outgive God. So that need that exists, I want to see that it is met and I'm going to give and I trust that God is behind it. And I believe that is true. Uh, let, me, let me describe for you as best I can from the scriptures what I think this, what I think the, the event that embodies the statement that's here in verse 3. Will someone read for us Mark chapter 12? That's the second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 41 to 44. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Who will read that for us? And Jesus said to the house the treasury, and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many were rich. Many people rich with him much. The one poor widow came and threw two miles, which made, made a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Surely I say to you, Okay, thank you very much, Mickey. Now, to me, this is the story. Jesus is watching how they put the money in the treasure, treasury. He's watching how they do it. Okay, here come the rich. They put in great amounts. 
But here's the thing about their amounts. The rich amounts are meaningless to them. I've, believe it or not, I've been around some people in my lifetime. Maybe you have too. I've been around people who were so rich that they did not really, I don't think, have a conception of what it is to live in what I would call the real world, <laughs> where I live. I mean, I would, you know, I, I would, I, I've been in houses, I'm not kidding you, where I was afraid to sit on the furniture for fear that I might somehow damage what looked to me like a museum that was so ornate that I'm just, I, I'm, I'm fearful. I, I could not, I could not imagine doing like I do, say, in my house, like kicking back on the couch and putting my feet up and, you know, just wallering around on the couch. I, I couldn't imagine it. And like, this person might take a group of us out to eat. And I, I, I don't know, maybe you have. I have never left a $100 bill as a tip at a restaurant. I cannot, I cannot fathom that. And yet, I had this person hand me a check, a personal check for more money than I've, I've ever had in my life. And I look at that and I think, that is such a different level of money experience. It's just beyond my comprehension. So if I were to give $100 and that person were to give $100, to them $100 is like reaching in the pocket and pulling out some change and dropping it. Meaningless amounts. The rich had come to give what most common people would consider to be a huge amount of money, but to them, it was meaningless. What they really wanted was the attention that that garnered. So there are the rich who give out of their abundance, that is, they give out of what's left over. But there is this widow. The Bible says, and describes it three different ways. She gives out of her poverty. She gives of all that she has. And then it qualifies all that she has by saying that it was her entire livelihood. Now watch that for a second. She's poor. But she decided to give. Not out of an abundance that she had, as the rich were doing, she gave out of the poverty that she was experiencing already. No doubt you wake up every day and you wonder, how am I going to eat? But out of her poverty, she chose to give. But notice this, she didn't choose to give a percentage as though it were, I'll give half of this, I'll give one of these coins. The Bible says that she gave all that she had. She gave her entire livelihood. Now again, notice this. She doesn't say, oh, I just, huh, I need to give, oh, down in my pockets or whatever she carried her things in. She found these two coins and she tossed them in. That is not what this says. Neither does it say, well, you know, she had the mind that at home she's got a stash of money. So if she gives everything she's got right now, at least she's got this to fall back on. That, that was not the attitude that this woman had. The attitude that the woman had was, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to give my entire livelihood. I, I don't have anything to fall back on. What I know is that there are people who are in need, probably in greater need than I have, and I'm going to do what is within my ability to do. And that is, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to give it all. Wait a minute. Now that's a great lesson, right, for the steward of God. The matter of not just giving out of abundance or what is convenient for me or what doesn't hurt so bad, but giving it all. 
And this is the difference between the matter of how much you give, as in quantity, and the matter of sacrifice. On that day, who gave the most? Not in terms of quantity, but in terms of sacrifice. Who sacrificed the most? It was the widow. You can't judge somebody's giving by the amount that they give. But here's the thing in the church, the thing that we all ought to trust is true about us together, that when a need exists, we will all give different quantities. But aren't we expecting that every member will be making the same sacrifice? Please don't be hesitant to nod your head. Because we all ought to be committed when the needs arise to make the same level of sacrifice. The reason that would be true would... Uh, go ahead and read verse 5 again for us, Rick. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own message to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Okay, you see that? What was the first thing they did before they ever even thought about giving? The first thing they did was they gave themselves to the Lord. Stop. When you give yourself to the Lord, how much are you giving? Well, that's, that's a pretty important question. The, answer, the biblical answer is all. But is that what we do? I hope again we're going yes. Because the love of God requires how much of me? We looked at that, heart, soul, mind, mark, add strength, everything that I am, everything that I have, I am committed to the Lord. Well, let's imagine these Macedonians. He says, I bear witness. Paul says, I testify to the fact because I know it as a truth that they first, the first thing they did was they gave themselves to the Lord. And then to us by the will of God. See, we're doing the will of God. We're coming for the collection. They didn't even think really in those terms necessarily. What they thought was, is this the will of God? Is this God's work? Because if it is God's work, we've committed ourselves to that. And so you don't have to twist our arms, Paul. Not only will we give, we will give beyond what we believe we are able to give. Verse 3. We believe that we're not just going to give abundance, we're going to give beyond what we think we can do. Because we're giving not out of our abundance, but he said they were giving, just like that widow, out of their deep poverty. Giving out of deep poverty, which resulted in an abounding liberality. Would you say and conclude with me, that the widow, who only gave two mites, actually gave an abounding liberality? I mean, how much more could you give than 100%? I hear all the time, somebody says, well, so-and-so, they, they gave 110%. No, you didn't. There's nothing more than 100%, okay? You give 100%, you've given it all. And that's exactly what this woman did. That's exactly what these Macedonians were doing Oh, wait a second. You know that that is also what Jesus did? Now, Rick, since you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you will read verse 9 for us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Oh, okay. He says, you know, you know the grace. And by the word grace is unmerited favor. Or you could just use the simple word of gift, which is related to what? Giving. Okay. He said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what it was. Though it was rich. Stop right there. When was Jesus ever rich? In heaven. Is there any way to measure the wealth? of God sitting on his throne being worshiped by every creature. Creatures that are beyond our imagination in scope and power bowing down before him and heralding his name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I mean, that's what they're doing. And when they talk, things start shaking. Okay, you cannot even measure the wealth of Jesus. 
Though he was, was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. How did Jesus become poor? He gave it all up. He left that and he came here. Um, when he came, you know, he's going to be the king of the Jews. So where was his palace exactly? Uh, where was his golden throne and, you know, all those servants? Uh, I know, I know. Only no, not even a place to lay his head. In fact, they mocked him in his death, right? Hail, king of the Jews. I mean, it was a joke to most people. So he humbled himself. Uh, Paul says in Philippians, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, the death of the cross. That's Jesus. So though he was rich, yet he became poor that through his poverty, so you might become rich. So how do you become rich? It says through his poverty. Wait, now, his poverty was that he didn't have anything. Oh, he also bore our sins in his own body on the tree. All right? So he was cursed for us. So in his poverty, so if you're a child of God, you've had your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, you should know that. That blood became available because of what? Because he died for you and died on the cursed tree, on the cross. So, in his poverty, you become rich. Wait, how do you become rich? Thank you for using that text. Romans chapter 8 says that we become joint heirs with Christ. Do you get that? We talk about heaven and streets of gold and blah, blah, blah. Think about this. Joint heir with Christ. You go from being separated from God because of your sin to having your sin forgiven and becoming an heir. Having an inheritance, which is incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, and it's reserved for you in heaven. Isn't that just wow? But, okay, there's our motivation. We're going to do this willingly. We're going to give willingly because we're right now, here we are, we're just stewards kind of going along this life. And, and here's another thing. I was just thinking about the willingness of giving things up for the Lord. You, you know that what we have now is like foreign currency in the place to which we are going. Nothing that you have right now materially spins in heaven. In other words, whatever you have now physically is worthless in heaven. It's kind of like when I go to a foreign country, I'll exchange money. I'll use that money. Sometimes I'm not even really sure. Sometimes the dis it's this disparity between the U.S. dollar and the foreign currency is so great. It's almost like monopoly money. I mean, you just... You look at something, you want it, and you just, I don't know, you, you have them kind of pick it out, how much it is. Because sometimes it's in huge numbers. And then you come home, and it's like, you've got this bill, and it's got a hundred. And you're just throwing around these hundred dollar bills, which probably are only worth like 20 cents. You just think, wow, look at this. My friends are so impressed. But to you and to the United States, it's worthless. That money that would have bought you something in that foreign country, you, you bring it to uh, the desk up here at one of these retailers, and they're like, what's this? That don't spend here. It's worthless. Your material things here are worthless in heaven. So what God encourages us to do is to exchange the material for currency that does work in heaven, spiritual things. Remember how he tells us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? Not treasures on earth, because what happens to that treasure? Thieves will come and steal it. It will corrupt, right? It does not last. Hey, take your paper money, put it in a box, and bury it, put it in the ground for a rainy day. Oops, wait, no, not for a rainy day, because the water will do what to it? Well, it'll eventually ruin and spoil it. It's just, it's just stuff. And the stuff, the material stuff, 
is foreign currency in heaven. It doesn't, it doesn't compute. You will not carry any of it with you. But you can lay in store. So exchange the material by using those things for good, for spiritual purposes, and then you will have translated it from material to spiritual, and that spiritual thing will be laid up in heaven. Do it with a willingness, a desire to do it. Now, desire is tricky. Will you read verse 4 for us, Rick? Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. Okay, my translation says, imploring us with much urgency. Listen to that. Imploring, begging with urgency. Got to do it now. Please, please, please now. Please now. Now, what are they begging him for? Oh, well, actually, they are begging him, please take this money or these things to help those who are in need so that we can join the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. Their heart and their desire, their longing was to help the brethren and to be involved in the ministry that was going to help the brethren. Please, please, please take it now. Boy, don't you love that? Can you relate to that? We don't have time to read this, but the text that I was going to share with you is actually from Matthew chapter 19. It's a long segment. It's verses 16 to 30. And I wanted to set up a battle between the rich young ruler and Peter the rest of the disciples. You say, huh? What are you talking about? Well, actually, there are two stories that go together in this section. The first section of it deals with the rich young ruler who's kind of justified himself about his righteousness. He's done everything he needs to do. And you know, what do I lack? And uh, Jesus questions him about whether or not he's kept the commandment. Yeah, you know, I've done it all. And Jesus is like, well, then, you know, that you got it then all you need to do is sell all that you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. You know what happened to that guy? Did he give it all? He went away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. Okay, now watch this. He had a desire. He had a desire to be justified. He did not have a desire, however, to give it all. Desire to be justified, make me feel good about myself, but not a desire to give all. And as a result, Jesus touched the very thing that was most important to him, and he went away sorrowful. Now, the addendum to that is what follows through verse 30. And that is, the disciples have heard all this. And they're like, man, if that's the way it is, isn't anybody going to heaven, you know? Wow, you really got to give it all? And Peter steps up, as he is often wont to do, in verse 27. And he makes this declaration. We have left all and followed you. Now see the contrast. Rich young ruler, well, he gave up almost everything by keeping all the commandments. He left the one thing out that he could not give up. And so he goes away. Peter says, we have left all and followed you. We have given it all. Just like that widow gave all that she had. Lord, we've given it all. And then he follows up. So what shall we have? Jesus said, well, okay, several things. Number one, you're going to sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And then whatever it is that you think you've lost, whether you've lost your families or uh, James and John, Peter and Andrew, I know you've lost your fishing business. If you think that's your loss, I'm telling you, whatever it is that you've lost, that's going to be restored to you a hundredfold and eternal life. So we ask, Lord, you know, I've given it all. What will I have? 
There's your answer. It's that spiritual treasure in heaven, I hope you realize. What is it that you are willing to be generous about? Are you willing to be generous about your money, your property, your time, your toys? <laughs> you know what the toys are. The toys are the things you reserve for your own happiness. Are you willing to give that up? What are the things that you are stingy about? I guess you could go along that same list, right? Is it your money? Is it your property? Your time? Your toys? You and I, we have an abundance for giving. It doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. That, that is not the point. Every single one of us have an abundance for giving. Whether you're the rich young ruler or you are the widow with two mites, we all have an abundance for giving. The question is this, are you growing in that grace? You'll know if you are, if you give joyfully, if you give willingly, and if you have the desire to give. If that shoe doesn't fit, then you need to make some personal examination and become the steward that God's called you to be. Let's have a quick prayer, then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for the blessing of being together and studying these things. And Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to be Help us to be faithful stewards of yours. Help us, Lord, to be the abundant givers that you've called us to be. And help us to grow in this grace. In Jesus' name, amen.